0: This is a CBC Podcast. There's this moment in my conversation with the actor Tay Diggs where we play him a little bit of his time on the Broadway show Rent. And it's an emotional moment, not just because of like nostalgia, but because Tay Diggs is grateful for everything that's ever happened to him. But he looks back on his career in sort of a bittersweet and complicated way. That's an honesty you don't often see, but Tay Diggs has a lot to say about the system that made him a star now that he's on the other side. That's coming up. Plus, Check this out. Audiences show up at a theater for a performance of a Shakespearean play. Someone comes out and does a land acknowledgement before the show, but then the land acknowledgement just doesn't stop. It keeps going and going, and soon the audience realizes there's not going to be a Shakespearean play at all. Cliff Cardinal is the artist behind that bait-and-switch, and he'll be here to tell you all about it. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So let's talk about uh, Tay Diggs. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Tay was a massive star. He was in the original Broadway production of Rent. That gets him into this film called The Best Man, which was not just a really successful film, but an important one too. The cast, folks like Terrence Howard, Regina Halney, along, all go on to have huge careers. It gets talked about as a film that helped bring black cinema into the mainstream. But here's the thing about Tay Diggs. He has a lot to say about that time in his life when he was a big star, and those feelings are bittersweet and complicated. At one point in this conversation you're about to hear, I asked him, you know, how he reflects on that whole time. And he says something really interesting, that he was the biggest black male star in the world for a while. But he also started to have suspicions that Hollywood only allows one black star at a time. And when his time was over, he felt like he was kind of brushed aside. It's a really powerful perspective you can kind of only get from someone who was on the inside of a world we rarely get to access. Tay is back, starring in *The Best Man: The Final Chapters*. It's the miniseries sequel to the film. It's out now on the W Network here in Canada. Here is my conversation with Tay Diggs. Uh, how do you feel? We were talking about we were describing your work as the *Best man Man*iverse. How do you feel about that?
2: <laughs> I like I like the wordage. Uh Yeah, that makes that makes sense. It's uh, it's bittersweet. You know what I mean? It's bittersweet. Um, but I, I have to say, after after watching the final product, uh, meaning, you know, the best man final chapters, um, it's I, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I don't and it did really well. So I don't know if I don't I can't say if it's actually going to be the end.
0: It's bittersweet because final chapters of course implies that this is the end of something that you've been doing that's been important work y- through your whole life.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's yes. Yeah. And it was just it's always just great getting back together with the with the gang. You know what I mean? Because uh, we literally have have grown grown up with each other, um, in life and uh, and our careers. So it's uh, it's always uh, it provides a, a a sense of kind of security and safety whenever we all get back together because we we all know each other's you know movements and 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 vibes and energies so it's uh it's always really really fun.
0: I, I want to talk a little bit about the cast a little bit later, but I, I want to go to something you said there, like the idea of growing up with with characters. It's actually quite rare if you think about it. I mean, you might go back to a Broadway role, you know, years later, but it'll be the same role. You might revisit a, a character, but it'll be the same role. And it's very rare for you to take on a role, say, in 1999, and then age along with the character and visit the character as as they have aged along with you, you know.
2: Yes, this is true. This is true. Um, and we feel, at, at least, like you know, speaking for myself, I feel very just really lucky, you know, very fortunate to to have that opportunity to revisit the character that that is it basically is aligned with my own my own uh, life experiences. So, um, excuse me, it's been really, really great.
0: When you, when you say a character that's been aligned with your own life experiences, how do you mean?
2: Uh, as these characters get older, there there are there sim- are similarities between my own life and the, and the character's situation as well. You know what I'm saying? Like relationship issues, you know, uh, wondering, you know, why you're here on this earth career, you know, kids, all of that stuff, uh um, I'm dealing with in, in real life as well. So it wasn't a far stretch to, uh, you know, to, to uh, to play, to play the
0: character. Um, I want to talk about the reception the show got. And, and um, I, I read this when I was doing research for our conversation. The director and show creator, Malcolm D. Lee, said something about the best man films and, and TV shows that I, I just want, I, I wrote down here, I wanted to make sure I said to you. He said, it is now more than ever that the world is craving to see what I've worked my entire career to show. Relatable, universal stories about Black people and their humanity it has always been my mission to make African American stories mainstream can you can you reflect on what he's saying there a little bit?
2: Oh man. It's so interesting to hear him quoted like that because I know him as like the goofy director he's like a brother, and we make fun of each other and we we joke around on set. It takes you know what you just said every once in a while to remind me just how how great he is and how I should be so grateful to him for. For doing what he did, because when we when we when we first came out with that first best man, there was nothing like that out. Do you know what I mean? And I remember reading the script and thinking to myself, finally, finally, something—a movie that 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 has me in it.
0: Um, Can you tell me more about what that means? If a movie that has me in it. What does that mean?
2: Well, like before, you know, and unfortunately, you know, we're still struggling. But you know, when I was coming up, the the black movies were a specific thing and it, you know, the, the, um, it was mainly based in stereotypes or you were, you know, when you, when you go to the movies, you t- you see the black character in a white movie. It was that, it was that cut and dry. Um, so when I came across best man, it was, uh, it's so weird. It was like, wow. You know, it was like the skies opened up and, uh, and I was like I, I need to be a part of this i need I need to be a part of this um and uh, you know that's uh, that's 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 all Malcolm Malcolm Lee you know what i mean um yeah
0: i mean i'm I'm struck by what he says there where he says now more than ever the world is craving to see what essentially I had to struggle to make back then,
2: oh yeah, one hundred percent it's still i mean you know I, I I'm very thankful, I feel very blessed, but it was still a struggle just to do this still like even to this day, the third, the third installment, you know, it's like, you you still gotta fight these battles with, you know, the networks and, you know, it's, it's it's, 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 it's a shame how deep these issues can be when it comes to just, uh, something as simple as, you know, wanting to provide, um, a product that, that, that people want, you know what I mean? Um, it's a trip. It's a trip.
0: Yeah, it's 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 easy to paint this in like, oh, look how hard it was and it's so much easier now. But it's actually it's still a struggle. There's still systemic issues. There's still there's still issues within the entertainment industry. Let's not let's not skip to the rosy ending here.
2: No. 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 It's a trip. And you know, and 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 these issues will continue to uh reveal themselves until we actually figure out a way to to deal with it from the core, from its core. You know what I mean? You know, these issues don't go away just by paying us a little bit more money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it's it's deeper than that.
0: There, Yeah, there, there's there's deeper rooted issues even outside of the entertainment industry and just in how we relate to one another yeah. in how the country yeah. is set up in how the, yes. the, the, the the actual history of Canada and the United States is not actually acknowledged. We want to skip to reconciliation. We don't want to do truth and reconciliation.
2: Yes, and, yes.
0: And, you know, yes. yeah.
2: I do have to say that the the industry is a little bit. I feel like the world is way ahead of 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 what's going on in the industry. For for some reason, you know, change, you know, happens last in the in the industry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um I still figured that out, but but it is getting better. It is getting better. I will say that. Did you have good.
0: any idea that when you made the first film, the first Best Man film, because you did the first Best Man film, and when Stella got her groove back pretty oh House Dalla got a group back pretty quickly. Like they were they were pretty close together.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. Um what I've noticed is that when it comes to black actors, there's always like there's like the flavor of the month. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know who decides, but at some point all all of the agents, all of the casting directors, they they like deem one black person the it guy and that it guy gets, you know, first crack at all the roles. So uh, all that happened when I was the flavor of the month, you know what I mean? So, um, and it was awesome. It's awesome when, when, when you're in it, but then, you know, once I was able to step out of it and to watch, it was like, oh, wow. They don't really, wow. They they don't really do white actors like, like, like this, you know what I mean? Like there's one, there's, 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 it's like just one. And then he's like the black guy in all of the movies. Right now it's, I think, is his name Jonathan Majors? Like he, he's the dude now, you know what I mean? So that's another example of, of you know, how uh, kind of twisted the system still is.
0: I mean, Tay, that's so interesting to me that when you're in it, you are thinking oh this is great i'm getting offered all these roles this sure. is amazing i'm getting these amazing yeah. opportunities and only when i mean maybe the generous way to say it is when those opportunities are not coming your way that you are you you, you turn around and you go actually hold on the like everyone only gets like 6 months here and then they then they, right. then they pick somebody else
2: yeah and i and um you know i've been in this business a minute but there's there are still aspects that that are uh, that I don't know. So I would love to f- figure out who decides what, you know what I mean, and and where it starts, you know what I mean, because it's, it's, it's fascinating.
0: Did you know that when those two films came out, though, that they were, because they, they, they are regarded as, I mean, we were just talking about this in the context of The Best Man, they are regarded as like pivotal films in the history of black cinema. And you were in two of them very quickly. Were you able to be aware of that? Like did you were you aware that these films might be called groundbreaking or they might be called important?
2: Absolutely not. I kind of uh I liken it to to when I was doing rent. Um it was just uh they're just cool projects. You know what I mean? Like at, at that age, first off, you ju- you're just happy to be working. But then if you if you are if you're blessed enough to work on a, a project that you really believe in, um, all the better. You know, you you kind of train yourself to to go to work do the work finish it and then throw it away and not have any expectations um and i just got very i was very very fortunate you know what i mean i was very fortunate in that it was like my it was i i I was the flavor of the month when all of these projects um kind of occurred so i feel i feel really really lucky
0: i mean you you were also a incredibly gifted actor. I feel like I want to, I want to make sure I say that, you know,
2: appreciate that. No, but we all, you know, we, all, we all, we all were really, you know, we all were, we all were really, really good. And we, you know, we were, we would watch each other and kind of jockey for position. And if, if this actor was working, then we knew we would be available for something else, but it was still, you know, a very, uh, a, a close knit, you know, community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, and it's. I think it's important that I want to say that I'm not disagreeing with you that that, that there is there is a flavor of the month and there are systemic issues. I just I I want to I want to point out that you're that you're really good too, like you're a good actor. And can, can, I'm glad you brought up rank because I want to play you something. Take a listen.
2: Me, me, I'm surprised. A <laughs> bright and charming girl sorry, sorry. like you. Don't adhere to deals. They make fun, yet I am the one attempting to do some good. Or do you really want a neighborhood where people piss on your stoop every night?
0: From the 1996 original Broadway soundtrack to the gigantic musical, biggest musical in the world, Rent, that is uh, V Bohem, featuring Tay Diggs as Benny. Tell me the emotions and tell me um, what you felt and what went through your mind when you were listening to that just then.
2: Oh man. So, so much, so much. First, uh, I was impressed that that I was getting out. Those are some high notes. I don't (laughs) think, I, I don't think I could hit those notes right now. And then, uh, and then I pictured, uh, myself and then it, you know, then you just, you, you, you take that nice stroll down memory lane. That was, uh, what a special time. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, it was a trip. It was, it was a trip and, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm so grateful.
0: Was well, it a special time just because of how big it got? Like did it have a lasting impact on you?
2: No, that's the that's the no offense to the to the work or the the writing. Um no, just the relationships that were built, you know what I mean? Um you know, we all were young and new. Uh we didn't know what we were doing. I thought that there was like a the music was really really cool but weird and you know, I didn't know if people were going to be turned off with the whole AIDS thing, and it was just, uh, you know, the older, the older, the older I'm getting, you know, the less I'm um kind of surprised, you know, like uh, I've I've experienced a lot, so n- not a lot comes my way that that is new, and I remember back then, it, you know, so much was just we didn't know, we didn't know what the hell we were doing, what what it was going to be, we didn't know. We didn't know anything, and it was, and I missed that energy of of like um, not knowing.
0: Do you have a story you can tell me about a moment where you realize like this is this is not just going to work out, but it's going to it's going to it's going to happen in a big way?
2: I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I I didn't know until it was actually happening. But I will tell you when uh, there were two moments. The first moment was when I heard Adina Menzel sing her solo, because that was one of the the last songs that John, John, Jonathan Larson wrote. Um, and I, I remember we were rehearsing in, in like segments, and Idina was was right before my segment, in my song. And I remember listening outside the door and being like, oh my God, this, oh, this is amazing. that's amazing um and then singing our uh, seasons of love that was um it's weird because it was like this is it was a feeling of this is really special what's gonna happen with it you know what i mean because it wasn't like oh this is special we're gonna be a hit it wasn't that you know what i mean because it, it it was so kind of emotional and, and hit yeah. us in a very deep way that we you know for me personally i couldn't even I couldn't imagine, you know, it was, it was just about what we were feeling in, in that song. I wasn't even thinking about how it would be, how it would be received.
0: Would you go back to Broadway?
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. As soon as, as soon as I have time, that's, I'm a song and dance dude. So that's my first, that's my first love. Yeah. Good. Cause I think, you
0: could, I mean, you might be able to get that feeling there, you know, you might still be able to get that kind of feeling there, you know?
2: I hope so. I hope so. It, um, um have children children provide that <laughs> um I have no idea what my son is going to say or do at any given point in time so yeah.
0: they, they give you that feeling let's let's go back to best uh, the best man for a second so oh. i mean i know this is a big question to add, and um, but i think it's worth worth asking given i mean how generous you've been in this conversation if you look That's back true. at those early days in the best man if you look back on those early days on on broadway to who i'm talking to right now like do you feel like a different person
2: 100 percent 100 percent and if i'm being honest it makes me a little bit sad only because um and i've had you know i've had a great life um but it's a life you know and i've been beaten down and you know i'm i'm wiser i know more But unfortunately, you know, in order to become wiser and knowing more, you got to, you got to go, go through some, some, some tough times. And I remember when I was younger, just, um, you just, I was so much lighter, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, that's, 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 it is what it is. That's, 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 you know, being young and then getting older, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely 100% different. Yeah.
0: It's it's a joy to to get to watch you in this show again, and it's a it's a oh. it's a it's, it's a joy to to get the chance to talk to you and reflect on some of this. And you give me so much to think about in terms of uh, in terms of the industry, and just in terms of like what a career looks like in in the arts. I, I really appreciate you making the time for us today.
2: Thank you, thank you. I had a great time. Thank you, my man.
0: That was my conversation with the actor Tay Diggs. You can catch him on his new series, The Best Man, The Final Chapters, which is airing right now on the W Network in Canada. Coming up on the show, I love this story. Cliff Cardinal sort of fooled audiences into thinking they were going to see a Shakespearean play. They didn't. And now him fooling the audience has been turned into its own show. I'll tell you the full story after this.
2: I'm Aaron Madison III. And
0: I'm Louis Fertel. This year, we're excited to bring you new episodes of Keep It covering the holy trinity of award season, Emmys, Grammys, and the granddaddy of them all, the Oscars. It's like the Super Bowl
2: for Hollywood, but with more sequins and fewer concussions. And we are continually blessed by iconic guests like Michelle Yeoh, Tori Kelly, Andy Cohen, and Jinx Massoon.
0: New episodes of Keep It drop every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts, or subscribe to Keep It on YouTube for access to full episodes and other exclusive content.
1: I hope that people can come and take an experience that's not on their own terms and listen to somebody else for a while and hopefully um, be able to laugh at, at all of us and themselves
0: as well. There's a key part of that clip you just heard that I want you to pay attention to. Taking in something that's not on your own terms. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So let me tell you the story. About two years ago, Cliff Cardinal invites audiences to come see like a classic play. He invites them to see what he calls a radical retelling of William Shakespeare's As You Like It. So crowds pack into the theater and they're ready, you know, to see your your average Shakespearean work. And then when they got there, they see something very, very different.
1: The RCMP is investigating the Catholic Church. That's like if Ross committed a murder and Rachel was sent to investigate Jason Kenney said you can't cancel history. I say, history's been cancelled a long time, Jay. It's time to schedule a history class.
0: So what you're hearing there is Cliff Cardinal pulling kind of a bait-and-switch. Instead of Shakespeare, the audience in the theatre realizes that what they're watching is this really provocative one-man show, which is in itself this very urgent monologue about Canada's relationship with Indigenous people. So Cliff Cardinal's show is back on stage right now. It's called uh, The Land Acknowledgement, or As You Like It. Uh, It's happening in Toronto, and the bait-and-switch part has been taken away. So what happens now? Here's my conversation with Cliff Cardinal. How are you?
1: Hey, hey! Thanks for having me, Tom. Hi, all of Canada.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you like, in all seriousness? Are you a Shakespeare person at all?
1: No, no, I, not not really. It never had any relevance to me. But I did like uh, Station Eleven.
0: Oh yeah, it's a uh, you know, there's apocalyptic chase. is your thing. I understand. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what happened. So like the original kind of thought behind the show. So like two thousand people show up. To see well, as they you did. not
1: like they, they, did, they didn't all show up at once. <laughs> <laughs> they, they showed up over the course of like an eight week run. And yeah, people saw a show that they didn't pay for. Um, and, you know, the idea, I guess, was that this people shouldn't be so predictable and people shouldn't um, assume that we know each other so well. We don't. You know, you read one article and then you think that you have, you know, you understand the indigenous community. And uh, if you're going to stand up and give some kind of land acknowledgement, you should back that up with some sort of footing and some sort of relationship. So it was an invitation to people who go see Shakespeare audiences to have a relationship, maybe not with the indigenous community, but at least with me.
0: Yeah. So you're so people are thinking they're coming to come see as you like it. They're going to come see a Shakespearean play. You walk out on stage. It looks like you're going to give the the land acknowledgement that audiences are sort of used to at the beginning,
1: and the land acknowledgement goes on a little long. When did when did it start to
0: clue in that people weren't going to get to see William Shakespeare's As You Like It?
1: At different places for different people, but eventually I do open the curtains and say, "Hey, this was all crap. I've never even read As You Like It."
0: So there's let me just say this because this podcast is not just for Canada. It's for, like, it's, it's for people around the world. For people who don't know, a land acknowledgement is this sort of statement at the start of an event. It happens a lot in Canada. It reminds the audience that they're gathering on land that is the traditional territory of indigenous people. And, and they got a land acknowledgement that ended after 85 minutes.
1: Yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to just come out and read this little piece of paper and everyone gives themselves a good pat on the back and then the Shakespeare play begins.
0: And that just seems really insincere to me. It seems, yeah, it's, in, it's insincere to you. T- tell me more about that.
1: Well, how does someone with no footing in the ind- indigenous community read a few lines and then, and then stand there like they're John Trudell? I think that they don't they don't go far enough that either it's completely rote and means nothing or someone has a really strong uh, standing within the indigenous community or a really strong relationship. And uh, at that point, it starts to feel a little weird because. People who who really are part of our community generally don't feel like they have to raise their hand and say, look at me, you know, give me give me my Nobel
0: Peace Prize. When what, what was the reaction from the people in the theater who thought they were going to get Shakespeare that night?
1: Well, there's this real tension in the audience because people are kind of thinking, uh, does he know he can't do that? And we and found that it's better if I have a fight with somebody. If someone has a problem with something and they start grumbling, it's better if I just address it and we get it out in the open and people see that conflict that I have with this patron, you know, really solidifies why we're doing this. Why it was important to lie to people to bring them into the theater, to be a part of this affronting message. And generally um, at that point people kind of realize and and want to come on board with the rest of it. Although the, the, we've had a wide, you know, range of, of reactions, people would, you know, get up and they would call me a disgrace and and then they'd leave and write a bunch of stuff on, on the subreddit. Are you serious? Are you telling the truth? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's pretty punk rock. And uh, at this point I, you know, I, I'm used to it, so became, it became became part of the show. It's actually a better show when I do have a conflict with an angry rich person.
0: And the the I think from what I heard, like you mentioned, two thousand people, not all at one time, came to the show, and only nine asked for a refund. That's gotta feel pretty that- pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that feels pretty good. And I, don't, I think more people wanted their money back, but the, the social, you
0: know, <laughs> pressure was too much. People were too afraid to go ask what for what, what <laughs> the symbolic meaning of what it would mean to try to get a refund. It's the symbolic meaning for sure. Um, so early on in your show, you make it very clear that, uh, as you mentioned, you're not a, a fan of land acknowledgements. Let's just take a listen to this.
1: They asked me to do the land acknowledgement today. I f- hate land acknowledgements. You want me to come up here with my feathers and my beads, bless your little event, tell you you're woke? So I said I'd be delighted. (laughs) I'm afraid that people of money and privilege hear a land acknowledgement, nod solemnly in approval, and then wait patiently for their show to begin. Which, by the way, is what's about to happen to you.
0: I love uh, um, nod patiently in approval and then wait for the show to begin. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? So, as you say, you are you are a fan of land acknowledgements now. Well, I am now. Yeah, look, I'm on
1: cue with Tom Power. They, they've been a great thing in my life, and they've also been. I think um, they've they've probably been a positive thing in in some of the lives of my friends who are Indigenous artists. I think that we are thrust into conversations um, that we might not have been a part of otherwise, uh, and so there there is something positive about it. Um, but it's just that I, 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 I haven't nominated anyone for an award because I thought they gave a swell land acknowledgement.
0: Is the show different now that there's no ruse that people come in kind of knowing that they're going to watch this thing. They're not going in expecting Shakespeare and getting their minds changed.
1: Yeah. It's not so, it's not so confrontational. Because, you know, people would show up and they, they'd be patrons of the theater. They see their name on the seats in front of them. That's where they always sit. And so for me to come and just take the privilege away from them was really violent for some people. And, and this way, you know, you're, you're, you're paying for the privilege to see the show. So it's, it's, a, it's fundamentally a different experience. Although there's still some surprises along the way.
0: Is there any, like, change in you? Like, I, I would imagine that when you're on stage... In those early shows, it's either maybe a little bit nerve wracking or a little bit exciting, kind of knowing that everyone in the audience is expecting one thing and you're going to give them another.
1: It's pretty exciting to pull this on people for sure. Um, you know, but the other thing is that comedy is really hard. You know, it's, it's, it's its own art form that people dedicate their entire lives to. And I just jumped up one day and started telling jokes. And so like, I'll tell you, there were some lonely nights where people didn't laugh. And I just, you know, we just went to a dark place. And so, you know, one day I was driving home and I saw this, this poster or this billboard of a comedian that I, I don't like that much. And maybe I've even made fun of on a certain occasion. Yeah. And I thought about that and I felt so small that... That, that guy makes people laugh every night. You know, he does, he does the job. He, he earns people's money. And for me to have gone through a whole night where people just look at me and they're offended and they're upset, you know, like it was, it's not the way that I want to, you know, talk to people. And so, you know, luckily, I got enough chances, you know, with Crows Theatre, who we went on a tour, we've done a, about 100 performance of it, pr- performances now, that we have a relatively good chance of affecting the audience the same way.
0: I hear what you're saying there. And like, now that maybe now that the audience is sort of knows what they're in for, they're more willing to laugh, they're more willing to, 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 to give that response that you're looking for than maybe they were before?
1: I hope so. Look, no one wants to laugh if i if i doubt the privilege um that allows them to to sit in that seat or you know and to drive up in the mercedes and to drive back to the mansion you know no one thinks that's funny yeah when i when i call into question you know who pays for that but i think that i, I hope that people can come and and take an experience that's not on their own terms get outside of their own little myopic View of the world and listen to somebody else for a while and hopefully um, be able to laugh at at all of us and themselves as well.
0: Can we talk more about comedy? So I heard you were like a, a Richard Pryor guy and like a George Carlin guy growing up. I love those. I love those guys. Yeah. When did when did you first get introduced to them?
1: I was thirteen years old and um, this kid had stolen a CD from his older brother of George Carlin's Back in Town, and I could not believe he was saying those things.
2: Why, why is it that most of the people who are against abortion are people you wouldn't want to fuck in the first place, huh? <laughs> huh? Boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn, but once
1: you're born, you're on your own. And that to me was the fundamental part of what makes stand-up comedy really exciting to me is when the comic is kind of vibrating at this frequency where you're going, I can't believe he's saying that stuff. And Richard Pryor was, was for me was more like the storytelling. And of course, you know, viciously funny and, and satirical, but, but the story, the way he could bring you to a time and a place with the character or with just a line or with just a, you know, an inflection, um, really merged what I, you know, what I love about storytelling with, with the, the, the vicious kind of attack of George Carlin.
0: And when you, when you first started doing comedy, was that the kind of stuff you were doing right off the bat?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, the, you know, I seem to love to go into really dark places, you know, things that are scary and things that are painful and to try to laugh in the face of those kinds of things. Why? And well, I, the, it's, not every indigenous people will person will feel the same way as this, but I think it is because I'm indigenous because, you know, I'm inside of a community that carries a lot of trauma with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, my family, we love to make each other laugh and we don't, you know, it's not about taking our minds off of it. It's laughing in the face. So, you know, you always run the risk of, 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 not just offending, but hurting people. You know, you can hurt people's feelings, not like a brick in the face, but, you know, you can, you can touch parts of, of people that are traumatized. And so, you know, it's dangerous to go into those places, but, um, those are the most satisfying places for me and, and not just just my own work, but to, to view other comics.
0: Um, you mentioned your family there. Your mom is the beloved actor, Tantu Cardinal, we had her in on the show to talk about uh, Falls Around Her. I think we had her on for that.
1: Yeah, Darlene DePonce's movie. I'm Anishinaabek, Keith. Not Indian. Everybody loves Indians. Most just don't want to see him have a home. Or a voice. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, remember you said you would come back?
0: I never said that. She was on with she was in Dances with Wolves. She was on North North of sixty. What do you remember? What do you remember growing up from growing up with a working actor mom? I'm I, I
1: remember that she traveled a lot, but you know what happened was I didn't I wasn't I was the I have a disagreeable temperament and I was didn't really get along very well. No, and so <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I dropped out of high school when I was fifteen years old. And I walked into the back of this bar and um, it, w- it was a theater company that was performing or they were rehearsing Canadian history plays. Yeah, uh, it was video. They're called Video Cabaret. And they were back in the back of the Cameron House at that time in Toronto. Yeah. And after a couple of days, the director kind of realized that I was showing up and said, if you're asked to do anything, best to do it. Otherwise, just stay out of the way. And so my 10th grade year was spent just listening to these actors performing performing theater. And and anytime I might have failed or or fallen, it was it was artists who came and surrounded me. And that's what my mom offered to me.
0: So 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 hold on. So how do you go from how do you go from doing plays in the back of the Cameron house to sort of wanting to write your own work and perform your own work on a, on, a, on a bigger level?
1: You know what? I, I just, I really wanted to be a movie star, but apparently, um, you know, Canada, you don't, you, you don't want me to be your movie star.
0: I don't believe you. No, <laughs> t- tell me the truth.
1: No, that's the truth. I just never got any breaks. I, I never got a single job off an audition and I found that my time was better spent writing. So I, I stopped going to auditions and, and I started writing solo shows that
0: would really feature me as a performer. And what did you, what did you like about those? What did those give you?
1: It's hard to say, really. The solo thing, it's like just you you either have narcissistic trauma that makes you a solo artist or it's not for you at all. And my first show was called Huff. It was a, it's about um, indigenous kids who abuse solvents and are at high risk of suicide. And we toured that for, you know, we, I still tour that and we've done it over 200 times. And and um, it really taught the craft of acting on the stage to me in a way that I, I wouldn't have gotten trying to audition as the third spear carrier at Stratford. <laughs>
0: it, it scratched the itch that that wouldn't have, uh, that may not have scratched.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, did you... Um, oh, by the way, you yeah. know, so i just like to say to anyone at the Stratford company, you know, I've got this great adaptation of William Shakespeare's As You Like It. <laughs> I think it's right up your alley.
0: You know what? Whatever you do, don't listen to the beginning of this. If you're just tuning in, <laughs> don't listen to the beginning of this interview. And maybe think about hiring me for uh, Shakespeare's As You Like It. I know about, I know about Huff. And I know that when, with Huff and with this show, The Land Acknowledgement, they're, you're not, they're not quite solo shows, Cliff, because there's a lot of audience interaction in there.
1: That's very true. You know, it's the the audience is the one who tells you, you know, if they're if they're open to dripping their imagination onto these places that you want them to, um, or if they're not, or if I lose them. And so you have to be really conscious of that.
0: What does that energy feel like in the room when you are getting that audience interaction?
1: when it's working it's um oh oh my gosh it's it's it feels like when my mom would come home (laughs) when i was a little kid what do you mean (laughs) well look i i I happen to know why i'm a writer and it's because my mom is an actress she traveled around a lot and she was in some of the worst shows that ever lived oh yeah like like my mom was in dr quinn medicine woman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You know, so she did what it took to feed her children. Yeah. And that's hard when you're delivering bad material. Like not every day was, was, you know, dances with wolves, you know? So, but what made her happy when she, which the time when she would walk on air is when she'd been working on good writing. She, it just made it for her. So, you know, you know, the, the reason, the way my chemical brain is formed, I think, is because I'm trying to write something so good so that my mom won't have to leave.
0: So what you're saying is when you are on stage interacting with the audience and the audience gives you something back and, and the energy's feeling right, it feels like your mom is home because she has the right kind of words. It has the right kind of creative spirit.
1: Yeah, I, I like the way
0: I said it better though. <laughs> if I don't if I don't say it back to you, I don't make any money. See, that's the oh, right. oh okay. So, yeah, that's, that's... No,
1: but but actually, actually, in all seriousness, I think you did
0: say it very well. I, I appreciate it, Cliff. <laughs> Are you exhausted after the show?
1: I'm no, I'm um, I'm exhilarated. Really? I'm I'm exhilarated after the show. Yeah, I mean, like I told my experience I, sh- I shared my expression with people who were there for it um that's 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 why i'm here and and when i can actually do the thing that i i love the most which is being on stage and sharing with an audience then i'm i'm feeling great
0: it's something very punk rock about the whole thing
1: oh yeah man i, I don't give a fuck, man <laughs> you know what i mean though <laughs> Yeah, I'm done shutting up, you know, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. That's, you know, the other thing I loved about Carlin is that's like, man, you can say something if you want to. And uh, you can you can find a, an audience for people who want to hear what you have to say. And it's, it's pretty wild to have to
0: have made it to, uh, you know, Mervish Productions this month. What do you love? I mean, because it's not just plays that you do. You're also in a band called is it Cliff Cardinal and the Skylarks? That's right. Yeah. We ha- our new song, Suicidal Valentine, made it to number six on the Indigenous Music Countdown. What do you get? I know this is a big question, but I think you have an answer. What do you get, and honest to God, and not, and not money, what do you get out of standing on a stage in front of people like that? What does it bring you?
1: It's, um, I can't say money.
0: No. <laughs> okay. It, I've, I've watched too many of your interviews for you to say money.
1: Okay. It's it's it, to to be able to share my voice and to share my little corner of the Canadian experience, and for the audience who is listening now or sees one of my shows, that they made my stories, one of my songs, my name, part of their human experience in the brief time that they walked on this planet. It means the world to me. It means the world to me that I'm part of
0: that. Cliff, nice to meet you. (laughs) Man, It's fun to meet you too. Cliff Cardinal's show, The Land Acknowledgement, or As You Like It, is running at the CAA Theatre in Toronto until April 2nd. Here's Cliff Cardinal and his band, The Skylarks. This is a song called Suicidal Valentine. Cliff Cardinal and his band, The Skylarks and Suicidal Valentine. Cliff Cardinal's show, The Land Acknowledgement, or As You Like It, is playing at the CAA Theatre in Toronto until April 2nd. That is it for us today. If you want to get in touch with the show, please do. Q at cbc.ca is the best way to do that. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Generally in the evenings now, I got it turned off for most of the day. I'm trying that out. Uh, But you can get in touch with me there. I'm at Tom Joe Power. The show is at CBCQ. Tomorrow on the show, Bill Nye will be here. Bill Nye, comedian, engineer, TV host, science guy. Decades after his TV show made a generation of kids fall in love with science, Bill has a lot to say about how we can reach out to skeptics. See you then. Later on.